Blog Talk Radio. Hi and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. We have two wonderful guests today, Ricky Lake, executive producer. From acting and producing to dancing her way into the hearts of television audiences, Emmy Award-winning television host Ricky Lake is a pop culture icon who's built a career on her graciously candid sensibility and her authentic, relatable nature. At age 24, Lake became one of the youngest daily talk show hosts in history with the debut of The Ricky Lake Show. She's also co-written two books, released a four-part DVD series, and served as an executive producer of several documentaries. Lake's legacy and perhaps her greatest love is her role as an independent filmmaker. And Abby Epstein, director, made her film directing debut at the, 20, uh, the 2004 Sundance Film Festival with the documentary V-Day Until the Violence Stops, featuring Jane Fonda. In 2007, Abby teamed up with Ricky Lake for their widely acclaimed documentary, The Business of Being Born, which premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival. The film's success led to their follow-up series. Next, the duo teamed up for Weed the People, which premiered at the 2018 SXSW Film Festival and won the Audience Award at Nashville Film Festival. Weed the People was acquired by Netflix for distribution, and they are currently in production on Sweetening the Pill, due out this year. And Carol, I understand that Carol Joyce was introduced to Abby by James Jordan, a cannabis expert, and then Ricky and Abby applied for and won from the Hearts Players Network Cannabis Media Grant. Yes, they did, Claire. And they have an extraordinary film, and we sincerely thank both of you for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank Thank you you so much for having us. Yes, you're so welcome. So, uh, sincerely, I want to congratulate you because I believe that this is one of the best docs on cannabis to date. I see hundreds of films come through the film grant and films that we sponsor. So, I think when I say that, it's really important to understand how many films I look at. I think that you've done an uh, an incredible job. Uh, And, Ricky, I really thank you for the work you did as executive producer to bring this incredible film to us. It must have been over five and a half years. That is a lot of work. Um, Yes. I mean, it's different work. You know, the work I used to do on my talk show was, was, you know, a lot more hours and, um, you know, and it was much more like, you know, in your face. It was on TV twice a day in most places. You know, this work takes years to make. And, you know, each of these, these films seem to come from, like, some personal story uh, with, with me. 
And, um, you know, I get, I get just curious about something and Abby is like the genius partner who sees the big picture of the, of the vision of the project. And together, you know, I really think we've, we've made super important, you know, provocative pieces of art that have, that have changed the world. I totally agree. And Abby, you're a brilliant director. You did such a great job with tons and tons of interviews and doctor's appointments and hospitals and all of those setups. And they all go together so well. You have great editing on the film. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was a long, long process. That was for sure. Um, yeah. Kind of a winding, a long winding road, many phases. Um but we, uh, you know, I think we were really lucky to find the families that we found and for the families to trust us enough to give us access to their lives in such an intimate way, um, especially when they were going through, you know, probably the most harrowing things that any parent could ever go through. Um, so that was really extraordinary. And um, we, you know, I, I think that, it was a challenging film because I think also when we started it, you know, there wasn't, cannabis wasn't so topical. Um, it wasn't like, you know, as accepted as it, you know, was in 2018 when we actually released the film. So the timing was quite good. Absolutely. I understand that. Well, the point is I love the five families, and I want to cover some of those. But first I wanted to um, start with some outstanding information that you put into your film because it makes it puts your film in a very credible light. It stated that Weed the People uh, states that in Israel, every one of the patients is prescribed cannabis. Israel has a federal license, and the growers grow federally and the patients use it federally. So the research that's conducted is overseen by the federal government. And Israel research started back in the 1960s. They isolated the cannabinoid THC. Uh, Dr. Raphael Metrolum said cocaine had been isolated from cocoa leaves, and they did the same thing with cannabis. And it's never been isolated in pure form before. So the structure was really not known, and it was almost impossible to do any biological work. But the science in, in Israel is, is a, it's a very liberal country for scientific work. So while in the U.S. it was impossible to do cannabis because it was a class one drug, but Israel, they had no problems. So let's start with how cannabis is used in Israel. Um, yeah, I think that, um, that was probably one of the really, you know, that was always on our shoot list from the beginning of making the movie. So we knew that the research had started there, just as you had said, and we knew that's where the scientists were. So we always sort of had that on our, you know, must get to list, um, and I think that, you know, it was a really interesting shoot. And I think that they, um, you know, they, they, they're they still very strict around it. Um, you know, it's not that you can, you know, just go in and say you have a headache and then get a um, cannabis license. But I think that the way, the most important thing about the legality 
is that there's none of this weird contradiction where like it's federally, you know, prohibited, but it's legal in the state. You know, I mean, none of this kind of crazy paradoxical laws, so people could get, you know, caught up in that. So I think the patients feel, you know, very, very safe using it. And then, of course, the biggest thing is because it's federally legal, um, you know, there's no blocks to grants, to research, to hospitals, doing clinical trials. You know, it's a, it's a legally approved medicine. So it's really a whole game changer for them. And, of course, the other big thing is that means that it's covered. So all the patients, you know, only have to pay, like, a very nominal fee each month um, to get whatever they need. Uh, oh, it's so wonderful. Yeah, it's fantastic there. It's, you know, it's a really great, I think, beginning of a system that we should follow. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, did they, do they use it on cancer in Israel? Um, they, they do, yes. Amazing. And they're having good results? They are. Yes, you know, and they're also yes. using the science. Oh, this is yeah, incredible. We, we follow, as you saw in the film, this guy, Deddy Mary, who, you know, when we when we went to Israel, I think it was like 2006, 15, Abby, was that right? 2015, right? So, I mean, they're already now years advanced with new yeah. scientific evidence on studying particular strains of the plant with particular types of cancer. That specific they're getting for different plants, different cancers react better to certain plants. Well, the same cannabis plant, but different strains. Yeah, the different types of plants in the cannabis family. Oh, my gosh, that's fabulous. Okay, well, let's cover some of the doctors that you had in Weed the People. Tell us about Dr. Donald Abrams, the oncologist. Uh, what did he think of using cannabis? That's he's back in America. Yeah, he's at um, UCSF, um, uh, University of San Francisco. And, you know, Dr. Abrams, is, I, I think feel like the first conference that we went to when we first started the film, we went to a, like a patient advocacy conference in DC and he was really like one of the only oncologists there. I think he is massively, he was a huge pioneer. Um, and he was one of the first doctors in the United States to actually get um, grants to do FDA approved trials um, with patients. So it was very, very clever, like how he managed to, you know, get this. And he was actually able to use it with cancer patients and kind of work the system in a way. So, I mean, he was really, truly one of the, the front runners. And I think always a big believer in the science um, for for working with cancer patients, you know, he, he ended up mostly work getting the grants for AIDS and AIDS wasting syndrome. Um, but he, you know, had a lot of case studies that he wrote about, about cancer patients as well. And, you know, there were particular patients of his that had, you know, pretty incredible survival stories um, that were doing both chemotherapy and cannabis together. Oh, wow. How wonderful. And I think he has one of the most 
I think he has one of the most powerful sound bites in the film, you know, where he says about, you know, the, the plant not being a medicine for the last 75 years, but for thousands of years, it's been a medicine. I think it's a medicine. That was him, right, Abby? That was, that That's was right. Him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, um, uh, tell us about uh, Bonnie Goldstein. I thought she was a great contributor. Well, yeah. Bonnie's amazing. She's, she is just a hero to so many people, and she's, you know, it's so interesting how she switched from being a pediatric emergency room doctor to going into cannabis. And like that other doctor in the film says, you know, they need to have a hundred of Bonnie Goldstein's out there to help with all these these people suffering. She's incredible. Exactly. Yeah. Someone. Oh, she just really had her heart in, the, in it. She was totally committed. And and yeah. I want you to cover for me that the finding in 1988 that humans have cannabinoid receptors in our brains. So explain to this what this means when we take cannabis. How does it work? Yeah, that's right. So that we have a system in our body that's just like any other system. Um, the way that, you know, opiates work, for instance, on our bodies is because we have receptors, right? We have an opiate system and we have receptors that the opiate plant essentially, you know, works on. So cannabis is exactly the same. We have an entire system in our body called the endocannabinoid system. And, you know, it's still kind of just in early stages of research. It wasn't discovered until the late 80s, but they're finding it to be an incredibly important system that modulates immunity and mood and appetite and happiness. And there's receptors like all over the brain, all over the body. So, you know, this is why cannabis uh, works on human beings, and this, you know, these are some of the targeted effects that, you know, now I think um, more scientists and even pharmaceutical companies now are are interested in harnessing. Excellent. This is really great. I mean, it took you two ladies to bring all this information to us. You've done such a wonderful <laughs> job. Amazing. Well, let's go to Dr. Nadelbaum. Uh, he said he never wanted to dry, deprive people of medicine that works. And this works, he said. So he was very out of that. that. Oh, right. So, yeah, Ethan Nadelman is one of the people who founded the um, DPA, the Drug Policy Alliance. So he's really great in the film, and I, and I think he really frames it as a human rights issue. So, you know, he makes it really clear that, yes, of course, in any society, you know, how could we deprive people of anything that's healing? You know, how does the government have a right to say, you know, oh, yeah, you can go smoke all the cigarettes you want, um, but you can't, you know, use this plant that could potentially, you know, heal you. Um, So it's... It's, I think I, you know, I love the way that he comes across in the film because he really looks at it from that human rights perspective. Exactly. And someone in your film was reading from a book that was published in 1805 
on how to use cannabis. So did we really know about cannabis uh, in 1805? And, and it sounded like that we knew about it even before that. Oh, Angela Harris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are, she's our Angela. master herbalist. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so that scene in the film is great. She's actually um, a Mormon mother of 10 kids. She's a master herbalist, and she uses all these old books, and she was very opposed to working with cannabis as an herb for a really long time because she had been kind of brainwashed into this, you know, oh, this is a dangerous drug. And then when she kind of wrapped her brain around it and started really studying it, um, she kind of couldn't believe how effective it was, and she treated her own cancer with it, and she started treating other people's cancers with it. Um, And she shows in the film all these medical textbooks, as you were saying, from like, you know, the turn of the, you know, 19th century and earlier where, you know, this, this was a household thing. And I think she reads something where it says, you know, um, something like, you know, I, uh, hemp, it's like, I shall not even need to describe this because every house, every good housewife knows, um, you know, what hemp is. So it was just used for so many things and they knew how to use the roots. They knew who had to use the seeds. Um, it was part of our diet, hemp. Uh, people used to eat a lot of hemp and, um, you know, it was like a healing plant, like aloe vera or, you know, any other plant that, that herbalists would use. So, and it became, um, they turned it uh, marijuana, marijuana, because they, they took Mary and Juan and put the names together and they seemed to have criminalized it um, back in the, what, 30s? So that it was a horrible thing. It just overnight became, took it out of the household into um, a drug, a serious drug. Absolutely. And then they did no favors when, you know, they started to say no to drugs campaign in the 70s, 60s and 70s, right? Yes. 80s. Yeah. That's right. The whole smear campaign is just. Yeah, we we hope that, you know, the movie really does shed some light on the fact that this really is about medicine. And by focusing on kids, you know, sick kids with cancer, you know, it takes the stigma away. This is not about kids getting high. This is about them getting access to medicine that's non-toxic, that can't, they can't overdose on. And that is showing benefits, both with, you know, the side effects of chemo and also with shrinkage of these tumors. And that's what really matters. Oh, I saw one of the women in there when she looked at the results and saw that it was shrinking, and she was in paradise. She was, just, oh, so excited, and you, it, we all could feel it. You could feel her joy knowing that it was working yep. on her daughter. What a great scene that was. Yeah. Right? I know. Yeah, it's like an emotional roller coaster that you go on with this film, and what's, what's really kind of interesting is that you you know in making the film Abby didn't know we didn't know what the results were going to be with these children and so you know with Sophie the little baby in the film you know she got a really bad scan the first time around Abby was convinced the tumor was going to be gone you know but but 
you know, so just it, it takes you on this ride where you really we, you don't know what's going to happen when you're making documentaries. It's like anything can happen. Right, right. Well, you chose five wonderful families. And I'm just wondering, though, uh, Ricky, how did you get most of your funding? Did you get the majority from people? Uh, did you win any grants? So give us some idea of that. We 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 did a Kickstarter. I mean, in the beginning, I, I funded it in the beginning, and Abby worked for free. I mean, that's usually how it works. With with the business being born, that's basically how it works. And, um, you know, in the, in, in the case of this film, I, I, I only funded the beginning, like, portion. And then we got a producer to come on board to, to help us with the rest. And we did a Kickstarter where we raised, I think, about $120,000. Um, but it's piecemeal, you know, it's real. That's the hardest part of, I think of making these films is that, you know, we don't do them to make, to get rich. You know, nobody makes documentaries to, to, to even break even, but you know, we, we make these really important films and it's just, we wish it was easier to, to find funding for these projects because each time we start a new one, it's like starting from scratch. Um, it's challenging, but, um, but this one, this one, you know, turned out six years in the making and uh, we have, like, a beautiful film that I think is a real educational tool for people that are looking for integrative alternative medicines for their sick families, family members. Oh, it's a great oh. educational film. I mean, you, you, you can't get all of that. You might as well figure you're going to you have to watch it three to four times because there is so much information in there. And first of all, you get overwhelmed with the stories because they touch you and you're crying one minute, laughing the next and shocked. And it goes through all those emotions. And then you say, wait a minute, what did he say? And you have to go back and look at it again. I found it was wonderful that way. Oh, thank you. I agree. Well, let's go to this A.J. Uh, Kephart, who went through the standard treatment for cancer for years, and then he went mm-hmm. to cannabis. So tell us some of his story. Um, so, yeah, so A.J. in the film, when we meet him, he's like 17, and he was diagnosed with a stage 4 bone cancer when he was 13, and he just kept going through chemo treatments and surgeries, and he kept relapsing and relapsing and relapsing um, until finally his oncologist said, you know what, it's time to do something alternative. We're desperate. There's no more chemos for this kid. Um, and she referred them to Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, the cannabis doctor in the film, and Bonnie helped the family get him started on cannabis oil. And, you know, basically, according to the family, it was like a miracle for them. And um, immediately, like, the first thing they saw was that he was on all of these horrible opioids. Um, he was taking, like, six OxyContin a day. Um and as soon as they started giving him these little tiny drops of cannabis, like tiny, you know, like a sesame seed, um, all of a sudden, within like two or three days, he was off all of his pain medications. <gasps> shocking. So really it was shocking. shocking. It is shocking. And I think they couldn't believe it. And then they just kept giving it to him and giving it to him. And... Eventually, he started to actually seem like he was getting better, and they did a scan, and he had 22 tumors in his chest that were all disappeared. 
So it's incredible, you know, and I think that it's obviously just one story, but it begs the question of like, why isn't this being studied, you know, and why aren't we trying to figure out why this works? Because, you know, his oncologist really can't figure out what else could have brought about this like miracle comeback for him. Right. Yes, that was a great story. And you spoke earlier about Tracy Ryan and her daughter, Sophia. But I, w- I wanted you to tell me more about uh, what happened, because I understand that now she has a nonprofit called Canna Kids, where she helps children with cancer. Yes. Yeah, she she became, you know, I mean, by trying to help her daughter, save her daughter, she just became this encyclopedia. And she's one of the most determined, tenacious people I have ever met in my life I'm now 51 yeah. years old watching that woman and I've now spoken with her on panels and I mean she has become an expert in the in the film she calls herself a canopreneur or you know <laughs> an, oh, no, mom, a momcologist a momcologist but truly she knows what she's talking about and she's helped countless people and and their children and I mean she you know she started this business and um, she's really coming from a place of wanting to help heal all these sick kids. And I'm super impressed with her and what she's been, at, been able to do, you know, while trying to, like, make her, get her child the care she needs. All right. That was a wonderful scene. Well, uh, let's talk about the Dallas lady, Mara Garden. She's helping people by experimenting and using her analytical skills with cannabis. Oh, yeah, she's also another one that's just a powerhouse. I mean, you know, what she's done, and she, I mean, she literally, you know, she doesn't turn away anyone. She wants to help anyone and everyone, and she, you know, is, her story is really interesting because she was sick herself, and she became, you know, a, as a patient, she found out all this information and started making medicine for everyone else, and um, she's also another hero in the film, and um, and I, I'm very close to her. She happens to be a really good friend of mine. She's very close to my husband who passed away, who's very much the catalyst of this project. And uh, I love you know I love what she's doing, and she's continuing to speak globally uh, about what she what she knows when it comes to this plant. Oh, great! There's just so many wonderful people in your film that I felt like I knew them all. But what I loved also was the out-of-time conference that you went to in Boca Raton. Uh, they seem to be right on top of the latest information on cannabis and healing. So can you share some yeah. of that? Oh, sure, yeah. So the Patients Out of Time is a really um, great conference. It's a great group. It was founded by um, Marilyn Maher, who was a nurse. And, you know, became a cannabis nurse and she and her partner started patients out of time. And they were really, you know, as you said, one of the first on the scene to bring scientists and doctors together and to, you know, try to have conferences where everybody could come together and like, you know, literally compare notes and, you know, researchers and doctors could share the latest findings. Um, you know, now we have a million cannabis science conferences, right? I mean, these are happening everywhere, and they're happening at Harvard, as you see in the film. And, you know, but, but I mean, years ago, when Patients Out of Time started, you know, 
this was really still very underground. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was like the only place that you could go if, you know, you were somebody like Amara Gordon or Dr. Bonnie Goldstein and you wanted to connect with other practitioners and other healers, you know, there was, that was it. I mean, patients out of time was like the only game in town. So, you know, I think Mary Lynn is really a pioneer in many ways of the, of this movement. Oh, great. Absolutely. Well, in the film, they, they really say that people are getting very informed now and parents want to know more about this. Uh, than the doctors know, and the parents are learning more about it than the doctors know. So the parents are educating themselves as a way to solve their problems with uh, the family. So what's happening there? Um, Right, yeah. So I think she says that in the film because, you know, I think it's just like, when you have a child with cancer or when you have, you know, any child with any disease and the treatments are, are so poor, right? I mean, the, the chemo that they're giving children is made for adults. Um, it's, oh. it's, in, it's incredibly, there is the tiniest, tiniest amount of research dollars that go into children's cancer. I mean, it's truly, truly pathetic because, it is so rare. It is really so rare. And they just, you know, there's, they don't get a lot of funding. They don't get a lot of research. And so, yes, I mean, like with this and pediatric cancer with a lot of other diseases, these people are desperate. And when the doctors don't have the answer, you know, that's how they turn to something like cannabis. They start researching on their own, you know, like Tracy Ryan did. Um, and many of the other parents in the film, you know, they just start going to the internet and talking to other parents and they end up knowing a lot more about how to treat with cannabis than the medical professionals, you know, who aren't exposed to this at all. Right. And that's the way to do it. Take it what matters in your own hands and solve it. Well, tell us about the Peterson family because they had to establish residence in California to treat their son. And I've heard of that where people have to move out of state because of our crazy laws. Yeah, the Petersons were living in Illinois and um, their child, you know, I don't want to maybe give away the end of the movie but but their child was 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 terminal from when we when we got to him um his diagnosis was very different than the other children where his tumor was in his brain was in the brain stems they couldn't operate they couldn't do um certain you know regular protocols that they would have done otherwise so um his case was much more about palliative care and quality of life and Bonnie Goldstein was his his doctor and yes the, the 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 plight of them having to come to California to establish residency to get access to this medicine. It, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a travesty that it has to be that difficult. Right. Right. Well, tell us where uh, we, the people is now and how people can find it and use this information. It is on um, Amazon, iTunes, every single digital platform you can find. We, the people. Okay, and you uh, actually 
uh, made a deal with Netflix that allowed you to do your own um, educational distribution. So tell us about going to um, conventions and finding and selling uh, screenings. How did that work? Yeah, so we spoke at a lot of educational conferences. We also had a lot of cannabis companies sponsor the film and bring, you know, the film to various cities for special screenings and premieres. Um, If you go to weedthepeoplemovie.com, you can find that there's, you know, still uh, links to sign up to host the screening. You can still do it. Um, You can bring a screening to your town, to your university. All of that is in place. Um, And, you know, we had some really emotional screenings. And I think, you know, Ricky and I went to not only did we have a big theatrical release, so we opened in New York, we opened in L.A., um, a handful of other cities. But, you know, we also had some really special screenings that were unsponsored, you know, by cannabis companies. And we had experts and patients and doctors, you know, on hand uh, for the panels. So that was really, they were really exciting. And, you know, and they're, they're still going on to a certain extent. Oh, wow. Wonderful. That's great. Well, we just have a few minutes left. So let's talk about your next film, The Business of Birth Control. Tell us about that. Um, our, our newest film, which uh, is just being finished now, is really taking a look at birth control options and the history of birth control, particularly hormonal birth control like the pill, maneuvering, all the different you know methods, and uh, really shedding some light on the pros and cons of these, these drugs. Yeah, it's a very interesting time for birth control. And I think what we um, saw was that, you know, there was an awakening coming, like a a paradigm shift where I think, you know, and I think we were talking about the opiate crisis earlier, and and this is even a little bit of a part of that, of uh, people nowadays, and especially millennials and, you know, even younger people, are not just going to put something in their body anymore without truly understanding what it's doing. Um, You know, we're living in a different age where there's much better access to information. People are not blindly trusting pharmaceutical companies and medical industrial complex. And, you know, we see birth control as something that, People just like to think it's solved, you know, and, oh, we have a pill and everything's great. But, you know, that's really not true. And I think what we're seeing now and what the research is showing is the pill is having a very huge impact on women's health. Um, Mental health is a big issue. And, you know, I think nothing has really been ignored in medical history more than women's mental health. It's almost like a side note, you know. Right, right. Um, And, you know, this is what they're showing is that, you know, when you are taking synthetic hormones, you're not only stopping ovulation, but you are actually impacting every cell in your body. 
because your sex hormones do a lot more than just make babies. <laughs> so, you know, they're finding some very surprising and disturbing correlations between autoimmune disease, um, depression, anxiety, uh, you know, many, many things that are like plaguing women that they're now starting to connect to, you know, the safety of potentially being on hormonal contraceptives for like decades, um, which is what's happening. So, and then on a very like darker side, there's another range of side effects that are more like thrombolytic effects, which have to do with blood clots. And, you know, we found in our film that there's, you know, probably not enough awareness about the reality of those risks and, you know, how many women are actually getting blood clots and what's being reported and that doctors don't even really understand how to warn women about the symptoms for um, blood clots. And most women don't even understand how deadly they can be. Um, so we have a lot of families in the film who've lost daughters to these oh. blood clots from birth control and are trying to spread awareness. So, you know, it's, it's a very um, provocative topic, but we kind of feel like it's time to not be so cavalier about just like putting every woman, millions of women, um, on these synthetic hormones and just shutting down their menstrual cycles. And, you know, it's time for women to understand their bodies at a little deeper level and understand, you know, what it means to have a, a menstrual cycle, you know, and, and all of the sort of health ramifications that, that come with that. I totally agree. Um, when I, I first took that pill, it lasted about five days with me, and I didn't feel right. I, I mm-hmm. didn't like the way I felt, so I complained to my doctor. He said, oh, that's normal. That's normal, and you'll yeah. get used to it. I said, I don't think so. Anything that <laughs> makes me this far off of normal, I don't want anything to do with it. And, and yeah. what I found was that all my friends said, oh, Carol, you know, it, uh, you'll get used to it. Use it. It's, it. it's really safe. You know the doctor wouldn't give you anything that didn't help you. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was a whole consciousness of as long as they're in a white coat and they write out a prescription, you're safe. And that's not yeah. true. Yeah, no. it's true. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, they make it like it's like candy. Like, you know, they hand you these pill packs that look all pretty and, you know, it's just, it, I was, I was on the pill for, for two decades, you know, and if Mm. only I had known then what I know now, you know. Right. How wonderful of you to start this new film, but this is a Mm. whole new group of people you have to go to Ricky for money. So what's the plan of funding? I know if you know of anybody, we are looking for finishing funds for this film. You know, they, they are not easy to, you know, to make particularly this one because it is so just the, the subject matter is so controversial. Right. You're all the way to finishing funds. Congratulations. That's great. Yes. All right. Yeah, well, no, tell I, us yeah. all the websites and how we can find you and so people can make donations. Yeah. I mean, the best thing, I think, is really if you 
go to thebusinessofbeingborn.com. You can find us. Everything's on there, all our work. Um, you know, you can also find us on weedthepeoplemovie.com. But, yeah, I mean, for the new film, I would say if you go to thebusinessofbeingborn.com and sign up for the newsletter, um, you know, then we'll keep you in the loop about what's going on and when you can see the film. And you'll be, you know, part of our community. And you will do screenings, community screenings with this film too, right? Yes. We are planning to set up like a speaking tour in the spring. So we're working on that right now. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. So if we go to uh, com, we can learn mm-hmm. about the speaking tour and stay on top of where you are with the film, right? Yes. You will, you will absolutely sign up for the newsletter, sign up to be alerted. You absolutely will. Okay. Well, I just thank both of you for the educational films that you're making and for uh, the work. I know this work is hard. It's day in and day out, but you are doing something marvelous for all of us, and thank you both. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for so having us on. Yeah, it's been a joy. Yes. And Claire, I appreciate everything. Oh yes, yes. Amazing. And uh keep up the good work, ladies. There's there's a lot more a lot more to do, a lot more subjects to cover. I'm sure you guys are gonna be at this for a very long time. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> thank, thank you, Claire. Claire. All right, thanks. All right. Bye bye. Thank you guys. Bye-bye. Have a good night. Thank bye. you. Good night. And to our listeners, I want to tell you how grateful we are for the donations that you've given at FromTheHeartProductions.com to support our podcast. We sincerely thank you. And we'd love to hear from you with ideas for more shows. What are some topics that you would like covered? And perhaps there's someone you'd like to have us up on the show that we can interview for you. Um, We're always open to your feedback, so just let us know. And please join us next week for the Art of Film Funding podcast. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.